Father, we thank you that no matter what our obstacle, no matter what faces us, we know that you are always with us. And our hope is not in what we can manufacture. It's not in any help that we can get anywhere else, but only in you, the living God. I pray, God, that you will build our faith today, that we would again sense that you are a God that that cares about every detail of our lives, and no matter what we're carrying as we come in today, that you help us to just lay that aside and focus on you, the King of kings and Lord of lords. You put the, the universe in space with a single word, and that God that created the universe with your word can do incredible things on our behalf as well. And I pray that as we take, again, your living word, that you would transform our lives, that you would inform our minds, and that we'd be changed today because we've heard from you, the living God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I once knew a young boy who had faith. When he was seven years old, his family moved to New Jersey, to a new town, to a new neighborhood. They knew nobody. But he knew that God was going to find him new friends. How did he know? He had faith. He knew during that hot, humid summer when he and his family were living in one room above a garage, sleeping on mats and cooking on a camp stove, Dad was out of work and mom was real sick. He knew that they would always eat, he could sleep, and that his family would all be, always be together. How did he know? He had faith. This boy knew that when dad finally got a job, soon mom would get better too, because he had faith. Can you pull me down just a bit on that volume, please? He knew that when they moved into that tiny, ramshackle, drafty, one-bedroom house that leaked when it rained, that it was okay. They would soon be better off. They would soon have enough room so they didn't have to sleep in the living room. Why? He had faith. And it was great when his dad found an old, beat-up silver trumpet for only $15 so his older brother could squawk and honk while practicing. He knew his brother was going to get better. He knew because he had faith, simple faith. They started school that fall, and he had a nice teacher with a funny name. And he was the best reader in class, so it didn't matter that he lived in a ramshackle, leaky old house and wore mission barrel clothes. Besides, his family had lots of fun together, and you guessed it. He had faith. And wouldn't you know it, just as it was beginning to get colder in the fall, he and his family got to move into a much bigger house with two bedrooms. And it even had a real bathroom with a real bathtub. And mom was feeling lots better, but he wasn't surprised because he had faith. Dad had been able to buy a real neat old car and lots of Christmas presents for each of them. Three for each of them. Even his first Bible with pictures in it. And he was so happy because he had faith. And when he used the saw from his new Christmas toolkit to cut a branch off the apple tree in the backyard, he knew Dad would get mad, but not for long, because he had faith. This little boy had the inborn capacity to see God behind everything. 
Then this boy began to grow up. He began to do things for himself. He started working real hard, earning everything. He felt it was his responsibility to see that he had nice things and a good place to live. After all, he had worked hard for all these things, hadn't he? He was still the best reader in class, but it was because he had worked at it. He became an athlete, worked out, ran, honed his skills, lifted weights. He worked hard and he earned what he had gained. This boy worked hard at school, worked hard at his part-time jobs. After all, it was all dependent on him to get through school and get ahead. He worked to develop his talents, even use them for God, but for his own ends. But hadn't he earned them and weren't they dependent on his own hard work? He went on to college, worked his way through, got a job, worked hard, got married, began to accumulate things, bought a house, achieved success. He was doing great when suddenly he stopped. Or maybe someone stopped him. He looked at his empty, religious, self-sufficient self and realized something. He had lost his faith. No, not his saving faith of salvation, but the look of faith, looking to God, trusting in God, depending on God. He was realizing that in and of himself he could really do nothing. Faith. Faith, in the words of Oswald Chambers, is, I quote, the inborn capacity to see God behind everything, the wonder that keeps you an eternal child. See, life only makes sense when you look at it backwards, but we have to live it forwards, and that requires something called faith. Today, I want to spend a few moments talking about faith. Whole volumes have been written about faith, and we can't be exhaustive this morning, but I hope to leave you with just a few thoughts that will encourage you no matter where you are in your journey of faith today. I'd like us to turn to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. It's on page 974 in the brand new Bibles in the rack in front of you. So if you want to look at those, that would be great. Or you can use your tablet device or iPhone or Samsung, whatever they have on you at this point in time. Hebrews 11, and we're going to read the first three verses and verse 6 of Hebrews 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If it can be seen, it requires no faith. If it can be touched, it requires no faith. If it is within reach, it requires no faith. If it is in our possession, we need no faith. If it is in the present, we need no faith. But if it cannot be seen, cannot be touched, is out of reach, is not yet, but is future, then it requires faith. So what is faith? Let's talk about, number one, the substance of faith. What is the substance of faith? There are two phrases in verse one that describe what faith is. 
First is being sure of what we hope for. Number two, being certain of what we do not see. So there are two, two phrases. One is hoped for, and one is not seen. So what does hoped for talk about? Basically, it can be tied up in the word assurance, letter A, assurance, what we hope for. And it describes something in the future because we don't already possess it. The word assurance has the idea of a, a title deed, an earnest or a pledge. It can be like a guarantee. How many of you have ever purchased a product, bought a car, ordered something on the internet and been disappointed? Anybody? Okay, I'm in good company. That's good. How many of you bought something that worked just fine until the day after the warranty ran out? Wow, even more. My goodness, they know how long those things last, don't they? How many of you have seen a commercial where the person at the end of the commercial says, I guarantee it? Okay, yeah, we love guarantees. If you're like me, you like guarantees. You like a store that stands behind its product. A warranty that lasts a guarantee that I'm going to get my mother's worth, my money's worth. There's a story that is now an urban legend, true story, um, about a man who received a shirt and tie as a gift. The shirt didn't fit, and he didn't like the tie. Okay? I know not, that's never happened to anybody here, but that happened to him. He happened to be traveling through Seattle, and he was staying a few days, and while there, he decided to take the shirt and tie to the local mall to see if he could exchange it for something else, that's something that he would like to wear. So he brought them into a department store, and the clerk helping him discovered three things. Number one, the man did not have a receipt. Number two, they did not carry that brand of shirt or tie in that store. Number three, the shirt and tie obviously were not purchased at that store. But because the store's guarantees are so good, the sales clerk found him a shirt and tie he liked and exchanged it straight across the board. The store? Nordstrom's. Nordstrom's. Incredible guarantee. You may not like the prices, but I'll tell you, the guarantee is incredible. Well, faith is being sure of a guarantee. In Ephesians 1, it talks about a guarantee that we have as believers. It says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now I have a uh, whole, whole sermon on just those two verses, but I want to illustrate and use this to talk about the, the idea of assurance or guarantee. Guarantee is something that we don't have yet in full. And, and this is talking about an inheritance of eternal life. It's something we hope for in the future. We have eternal life when we receive Christ and we enter into his kingdom, but the fullness of that is future. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us as a deposit, as the guarantee, saying that now you have the Holy Spirit, and that's the deposit guaranteeing the future hope that you don't have totally yet. And we believe in this future hope by faith. The, the word for assurance has the idea in the original language of a title deed, an earnest, or a pledge. And this was used in business to document the basis or guarantee of a transaction. For example, you want to go buy a house, and you put down earnest money, okay? Now that earnest money is just to hold the house, and it's a guarantee that more of the same will follow. In other words, you put X amount of dollars, the rest of the money will follow. So what you put down, more of the exact same will follow 
until you actually pay for the house. So that's the first installment that guarantees the rest will follow. The same word is used in modern Greek for the engagement ring. Of course, we know how earnest that can be. That's another time. Paul describes in Ephesians that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a seal or a pledge or an assurance. We haven't realized the fullness of all that God has for us in the future yet. The kingdom of God, our total salvation, our ultimate place in heaven and glory with God. But the Holy Spirit is given to us as that assurance, that hope for pledge or assurance. And in order to understand that requires faith. We don't have it yet, but it requires faith. So the substance of faith is the assurance of something we hope for. It's future, so it's hoped for. Doesn't mean we don't have any evidence of it, but the fulfillment of that requires faith. And I don't know what you hope for. Hope is one of those things we all need to have all the time. Ask, when am I, when am I going to be healed? When am I going to get through this depression? When am I going to realize my dream of getting married? When can I expect to get out of debt? Or are my kids ever going to grow up and leave the house? Or, you know, those, those are the kinds of questions you hope for. It's not yet, it's future. And this always denotes something that cannot be seen. It's an assurance and it's faith in something hoped for. The second phrase is, letter B, the conviction. It's what we do not see. Believe when we do not see. What we see has substance or real essence. Things that in themselves have no existence yet become real by the exercise of faith. Our physical eyesight produces a conviction or evidence of visible physical things. We can see it, I can see it, you can see it, we know it's real. Faith enables us to see the invisible, okay? The spiritual and future things with certainty with certainty. Verse three says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now what does that mean? Verse, Psalm 33 talks about this. It says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made their starry host by the breath of his mouth for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So basically, God spoke the word and the universe was created out of nothing, just by his word. Copernicus and Galileo believed that there was more in space than they could see, okay? You look out, and I don't know if you, if you like to go out and, and, and gaze at the stars. If you go out in the country, those of you, how many of you were out hunting the last couple of weeks? Did you do any, did you do any, yeah, Texas, you probably, did you do anything out in the middle of the country where there are no lights and just looked at the stars? Anybody do that? You didn't hunt at night? Okay, whatever. I'm, I'm just trying to challenge us who are from the city and the city folk that, that it, it, it's incredible to go out and see. But no matter how well we can see, there's more out in space than we can see, okay? There, there's more to it than just that. And two guys named Harlow Shapley and Edwin Hubble believed that there was more than what they could see with the naked eye. So they developed telescopes to explore space. Why did they do that? Because they knew by faith that there were more galaxies out there. And the telescopes eventually confirmed that. And so even in the physical realm with physical eyesight, we know there's more out there. And so we look at it. We look at it. That's just a physical realm that was created out of nothing by God. But what about the spiritual realm which we cannot see. Do you believe in the world of the spirit? 
Do you believe in the spiritual? Do you believe in the future? Can you see it? Can you hear it? Can you taste it? Can you touch it? No. We know the future is coming. How? By faith. Faith actually makes the unseen real, makes the future real. That's two words that are defined for faith. Now, let's look at the object of faith. What is the object of faith? Number two. It says, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What or who is the object of our faith? Why do we place our trust in this unseen God? And when I do, is it because I have just great faith? Let me illustrate about faith. Um, I, let's say I go to the local uh, Gordy's Market to go shopping. And I come to the checkout and the clerk rings up my groceries and I begin to write a check. Now the clerk knows me and knows that I've bounced eight of the last 10 checks there. So she refuses to accept my check, okay? Now right behind me is Dan and Dan's coming into the gross at the same checkout and he's getting ready to write a check. And Dan's been writing checks at Gordy's for 57 years. And so he's never bounced a single check in his entire life. So the clerk accepts his check. Doesn't take mine, but takes Dan's check. Okay. Why? Because she has great faith? No. Because Dan has great credibility. See, we think that if we just work up enough faith that it'll make it work. No. It's, it's not our faith. It's God's great credibility. And so our approaching God, our focus must be on God. He is the focus of our faith. Our faith is in God, not because we work up enough faith, but because God has great credibility. He has a track record of faithfulness, answered prayer, provision, grace, and forgiveness. God is the object of our faith. So when we talk about faith, we're talking about looking to, looking at God. It's interesting, in Luke 8, the followers of Jesus are crossing the Sea of Galilee. They do these couple of sea crossings, and they get in this huge storm. Jesus sleeping in the back of the boat. They cry out, Jesus, Master, we're drowning. Help us. Jesus rebukes them, it says, and says, where is your faith? Where was the object of the? Who was the object of their? Their object of their faith was Jesus. They looked to him. And then in, in Peter, in Matthew 14, Peter gets out of the boat to walk in the water to Jesus, takes his eyes off Jesus, looks at the waves, and thinks, I really shouldn't be able to do this, and starts to drown. And Jesus saves him and says what? You of little faith, why did you doubt? So what was the object of his faith, the focus of his faith? His object was Jesus. And if you're like me, we do everything we can possibly do on our own, until we've exhausted all our options, then we turn to God and say, I guess I should look to God. And sometimes I think it's, it's great that we have tasks larger than we can possibly accomplish, circumstances impossible to deal with, because then and only then do we look to God as the object of faith. As long as I can do it, I don't need to look to God. I can do it myself. Am I the only one here? Okay, I'm just making sure I'm in good company. Like Peter, we might say, God, I got out of the boat, and God says, yes, but you tried to do it on your own. Where does that faith come from? How do we access that faith? Number three, the source of faith. What is the source of faith? God. 
the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. It's the Word of God that generates faith. God is the source of faith through His Word. Romans 10, 9 says this in a context about trusting Christ and putting their faith in Jesus as Savior. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's the beginning of our faith journey. And if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, that's the, that's the question. Have you confessed that Jesus is Lord and have you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead so you can be saved? Now without this faith, we can't even begin this walk with God. And without this faith, we cannot continue. Without faith, is it difficult to please God? Is it hard to please God? Is it nearly impossible to please God? No, it says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our whole spiritual journey is about moving from independence of God, reliance on self, to dependence on God from independence to dependence. See, it's a total reverse of our life. When we grow up, we start depending on our parents, everything, and we kind of grow up and we get independent and we go off. Our whole journey in our faith at walk with God is a reverse of that. It's learning dependence on God in reverse of depending on ourself. Now he says, if we come to God, we must believe he exists. Not only that he exists, but he is the God of biblical record who revealed himself to human beings, demonstrating that he is the searching, loving God who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who seek him. Remember, faith is the inborn capacity to see God behind everything. So what? So what? How should we live our lives? How do we practice our faith in a practical sense in a regular day? Martin Luther, the great theologian and founder of the Reformation, came home one day and found his wife dressed in black. She was in mourning garb. And he said, oh my, he said, who died? What happened? And she answered, God died. He answered, woman, have you taken leave of your senses? God can't die, God's eternal. She said, I'm glad to hear that. The way you've been acting lately, I was certain that God had died. Martin Luther said, then I realized how wise a woman God had given me. God dead? You know, sometimes we act as if God is dead. It's called practical atheism. We believe in our mind that God is alive, but we live as if it's all dependent on us and God's dead. Somehow God's not engaged, he doesn't care. And so we live in this practical atheism. For all practical purposes, we might as well be atheists. And some of us today may be living as practical atheists. Maybe you're out of work. Maybe there's a physical issue, a marriage relationship, a difficult boss. Maybe it's just small things. We, we live our life and say, I guess I can handle all the little things. Our lives are made up of a sum of small decisions, little turnings, and minute choices. Mostly small incidences, incidences like burned breakfasts and traffic and fender benders, door dings, schedule interruptions, sprained ankles, unexpected bills, six kids, you go on and on and on. And these things don't come from heaven, but the God of the universe is behind, before, and around working through all of these things. If we don't let God into all these things in our life, we're not letting him in at all. And we're living as practical atheists. Remember, faith is seeing God in and behind everything. 
Now, some will raise the question about faith because some people claim that faith is this blind leap. You've probably heard that faith is this blind leap. And uh, there's a philosopher named Kierkegaard, and he proposed that Christianity was this blind leap of faith. Okay? It's this blind leap of faith. And uh, let's, say, let's say that you are mountain climbing with a group in the Swiss Alps, and you have a Swiss guy leading your group. In the middle of your climb, a raging blizzard strikes. Visibility is near zero, darkness falls. You're trapped in the dark in a blizzard, in danger of freezing to death. And the guide says to you, says to your group, in order for you to survive, we must find a place to pitch our tent for shelter. Right now you are hanging on the side of the mountain and the guide says three feet below you, okay, three feet below you, in the dark where you cannot see, is a six foot wide ledge. All you have to do is let go and you'll drop to the ledge and you'll be in safety. Just let go and drop. Now, those who claim that Christianity is a blind leap of faith and say, okay, I'm not going to think it through. They just let go of the mountain and just hope for the best. Some people think Christianity is that way. No. Before I take that drop of faith, before I let go to the side of the mountain, I have some questions to ask. I'm going to say, how long have you been a guide on this mountain? Okay. How well do you know the mountain? Have you ever been in this circumstance before? Have you ever lost anyone on these hikes or this mountain climb? After I ask the questions, if I'm satisfied on the basis of sound evidence, I will believe the guide and I'll let go and drop. Okay? Big difference between just letting go and dropping and asking for evidence. There's still that three-foot step of faith where you're letting go and, and going by faith. But one is based on sound evidence, one is just blind leap of faith. Christianity is based on sound evidence. Faith is not on blind ignorance or trite dismissal of known fact, but faith on sound evidence. In the whole of Hebrews 11, if you read through the rest of the book, there are accounts of men and women who stake their entire lives on the unseen, the hoped for. And it worked. It worked. Where are you today? Are you on the edge of a cliff? Maybe blind circumstances? I don't know where you're at, but you may really, really be in need of faith right now. So what are the results of, ha of faith? Number five, results of faith. What happens when we practice this kind of faith? Verse six says we please God. Verse two says we're commended by God and we're rewarded by God. Are you looking for truth? Look to God. Are you looking for reality? Look to God. If you come to God believing he exists, he is personal, your search will be rewarded. Seek and you will find. So what happened to the little boy in our story, the one who grew up, the one living as a practical atheist, the one who lost his faith? Well, he found it again, and I'm still struggling with it. It's hard for me to realize that faith comes from God and there's nothing I can do to obtain it. I still try hard to do things on my own and to explain everything as if it were something I did or didn't do, and that's why. But I'm learning, just like you, that God is behind and in everything. In one sense, I'm trying to return to my childhood to once again experience that simple, childlike faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us guidelines and you give us
the essence of faith. And I pray, Lord, today that you would help those that are, that are struggling with different issues and all kinds of different things. Lord, faith is just something we can't see, we don't have. We have to, have to have faith and believe in you in what you are doing. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue your work in our lives, your work here in this church, and that you would build faith where faith needs to happen. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, shall we? We're going to take just, just a minute. Um, I'm going to ask if, uh, if um, Dan and Diana would stand here when we're dismissed in a moment uh, for prayer. And uh, if we can get Mike and Ra is, uh, Rachel with you, just to stand up here. When we're dismissed in a minute, if you need prayer, one of these couples would be happy to pray with you. We want to make sure that if there's something that you carried with you, you can leave it and pray and give it to God. So we'll be dismissed in a moment uh, with God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship and unity of the Holy Spirit guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.